for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker, and this is episode number 149. Today, dear parents, I'm going to be talking to those of you with babies over four months of age who won't sleep through the night. Now, if you have a baby that doesn't sleep through the night and it's just fine with you and you can take naps during the day, terrific. But for most of us parents, it's hard being up at two or three times a night, even once a night when it happens over and over. So if you're exhausted because your baby won't sleep through the night, you, my friend, are in the right place. Before we talk about sleep issues, you need to check out my Parenting Great Kids community. It's a community that I started because of COVID. I wasn't able to speak to people live, but I wanted to still be able to connect with you. So I created a community where I can talk to you, you can talk to me. I present brand new courses every month on topics from potty training to sleep training to how to talk to your kids about sex, you name it, it covers all ages and all topics. I answer questions, I post videos, I have a live Q&A session once a month. It is more fun than you can imagine. Parenting, great kids community. Go to my website, meekerparenting.com and check it out. Now, let's talk about your baby and sleep. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker, and today we're gonna be talking about something that's fun, that's kind of hard, but that most of us need to talk about, or at least to hear about. We're gonna be talking about how to get your baby to sleep in less than a week. And many people say, well, is this just for babies? It's predominantly for kids 18 months and younger. Now, there are many three and four and five-year-olds who are having sleep difficulties. The principles are the same, but this operates on an extra principle that I'll talk about in a little bit. If you're listening to me right now, there's a great chance that you are very, very tired. There is nothing that makes you more tired, I believe, than lack of sleep. And I think that lack of sleep or fatigue is one of the biggest factors that keeps parents from parenting well. If we could parent rested, we would parent so much better than we parent. And I think that's really why parenting is for young people, because you need energy to do things with your kids, to train your kids, to stay up with your kids. And as you get older, you realize how much energy it really takes to take care of kids. So if you're a young parent, but you're not getting any sleep, the chances are you might be kind of hard to live with during the day. And I know that's hard for a lot of parents to hear, but the truth of the matter is kids want mothers and fathers rested and in good moods and happier far more than they need to be up at night. 
Now let that sink in a little bit because one of the biggest difficulties I have in talking to parents and trying to convince them to sleep train their babies is that they believe with all their hearts their babies cry in the night and need them. But what kids really need is not to be up more at night or not to even eat in the middle of the night. They need a well-rested parent who's patient and kind and who enjoys them. So I hope that that motivates you who are kind of on the fence right now about, well, should I sleep train my baby? No, they'll figure this out on their own. Well, they may figure it out on their own, but it might not be till they're six or seven or 10. And that's a lot of years of no sleep, friends. So you need to sleep train your baby, not just for your baby, but for yourself so that you can be a better, happier parent during the day. Plus, believe it or not, your baby needs a good sleep rhythm. We think, well, it's okay if my baby's up during the night because they can sleep whatever they want during the day. Well, maybe, but the truth of the matter is, if you can get your baby to sleep better at night, they're in a better mood during the day, but they sleep better during the day. So Good sleep begets good sleep. The better you sleep at night, the better you sleep during the day, the better you sleep at night because you're getting a good biorhythm going in your baby. They need a good sleep rhythm, a good eating rhythm, a good playing rhythm because the body is basically like a wonderful symphony. And we've got... Um, all the different endocrine systems working in concert. They want to work in concert. Your cortisol wants to have a rhythm. Your thyroid wants to have a rhythm. Your estrogen and progesterone and testosterone want to have a rhythm. But if they're all out of whack and your baby's sleep schedule and feeding schedule are all out of whack, the symphony loses its beautiful sound. It becomes a cacophony, if you will. It just doesn't work. And um, that's the way a baby feels when they don't have a good rhythm to their sleep, rhythm to their play, or rhythm to their day. And that's really what sleep training is all about, is getting a good rhythm established. And the best way to start doing that is by coercing a good sleep rhythm. Now, up until this point, we've fundamentally been given two ways to get babies to sleep through the night. The first way is to get babies to just cry it out. The second way is to essentially wean the baby from your presence. And that's where you put your baby into bed, you sit by the crib, you sit by the, by the crib until they go to bed, and then you walk out. And the next night, you pull your chair farther away from the crib, and you wait till they fall asleep, you walk out. And eventually, you move yourself out of the room when the baby goes to sleep. And you can do that, and it works, and that's fine, but it takes a long time. And a lot of people just don't have the patience for that because they're exhausted when they're trying to sleep train their baby. And then, of course, we've got those who'll say, we'll just put them in the crib at eight o'clock and then see them at eight o'clock in the morning and that's it. And the truth of the matter is, some parents end up doing that when the baby's the third or fourth or fifth baby because they're so exhausted. They don't wake up in the night when the baby cries. And that's not all bad if the baby's crying because he doesn't really need anything. He's just saying, come on in here and play. But if the baby's crying because he is hurting or he's frightened or he's sick, 
you need to be ready to go in and attend to your baby. So it really helps your baby and you if you're not so tired when you go to bed at night that you can still wake up if you need something. So I have created a program that works around a very different principle. And that is if a baby is really full, the baby will sleep better. And people say, well, my baby's not really hungry during the day. So I don't know why they don't sleep well anyway. Well, hang on a minute. The fullness that I'm talking about is a real satisfaction or satiation of food that you've had, kind of the way you feel after a Thanksgiving meal. Now think about it. This makes so much sense. If you skipped a couple meals because you're waiting for Thanksgiving, you sit down and you eat a really wonderful Thanksgiving meal, you feel very relaxed. Your stomach sends a cue to your brain, relax, you're kind of sleepy. Because when you eat a big meal, what do you want to do? you want to fall asleep. Well, that's the principle that this sleep program works on. And that is if we allow our babies to get hungry enough, not starve, but hungry enough to eat a very satisfying meal to let their stomachs get really full, the baby will go to sleep faster and sleep longer. One of the habits that we've gotten into as parents and I've allowed our babies to get into as, as babies is that they snack all day long. Whenever the baby cries, we feed them because we don't know what else to do. And we never put their feeding off. So what happens is the baby's never really hungry, but he's never really full either. And if he's never really full, how can he go to sleep well? Think about yourself. If Every couple of hours during the day, you ate a granola bar or an apple, and you never really ate a meal, but you just snacked all day. How would you feel at 10 o'clock at night? You'd feel pretty frustrated. You wouldn't feel hungry, but you wouldn't feel full. You'd sort of be in this limbo land. Well, if you're in that limbo land from an eating standpoint or a hunger standpoint, you have a hard time going to sleep. Your stomach never has an opportunity to cue your brain into the fact that it's time to relax. It's time to go to sleep. So that's what the principles of this program really are all about. Now, think about yourself as a baby for a minute. If you're a baby and you're living in your mom's womb and you're floating around in this beautiful, wonderful, warm fluid. You don't have to worry about breathing because you're getting the oxygen through your mom and you don't have to worry about crying or seeing or anything. All you have to do is float. Then all of a sudden you come down mom's birth canal or you, you come out of her stomach and your head is squeezed and you come into the world. You all of a sudden have to breathe you see lights that you've never seen. You hear voices you've never seen. You hear this loudness and the stimulation. It's overwhelming. Your body's really in shock, if you will. And now you go home and you don't know what is daytime and what is nighttime because it's only been night for you. And it's no wonder that you go home and you're up all night, but you're asleep all day. And then the next day you're asleep all night and you're up during the day. Basically, we all know, those of us who have had 
kids who are under two months of age know that babies are really off kilter from a sleep standpoint and an eating standpoint. And that's because their body hasn't had enough time to get into a rhythm. They haven't had enough time to get into a good feeding rhythm and a good sleep rhythm. But once we train their feeding, then we train their sleeping. And we can see how we take this baby who's really living in a sort of shock, chaotic state, the first two months of life, into a very healthy rhythm where they're sleeping and they're eating and they're playing and they're sleeping and they're eating and they're playing. And this takes training because again, they're going from suddenly being out of the womb to suddenly being in light and noise and not knowing how in the world to eat to a time where they need help getting to the other side where life can be more enjoyable it can be more satisfying and it can be more relaxing. But I say that because that's a transition period and babies don't naturally transition well. Now, some kids are born and they sleep through the night and that's it. And, you know, we hear our friends talk about their baby that came home and slept through the night from the first day um, they arrived. Good for them. But that's the exception, not the rule. Most of us have to take time to transition our babies from that chaotic state into a good sleep eating rhythm. Now, most babies need a lot of help from us if we're kind to coerce them into that rhythm so that their thyroid and their endocrine system can all work well together so that the baby can sleep better and eat better and feel happier during the day. But it's not just the baby's happiness that's important. It's important for mom's happiness because babies need a happy mother during the day, a well-rested mother during the day, far more than they need to be up at night or be drinking milk at night or feeding, nursing, or having a bottle. Now, it's really important if your baby right now is sleeping very erratically, or you put them down to bed either for a nap or at nighttime, and an hour later they scream and they want to get up, or you put them down and three hours later at night they scream and want to get up, or you put them down and then two hours later they scream and want to get up. It's really, really frustrating and hard for parents. A, it's exhausting and it wears us down. But we start to feel like, what's wrong with me as a parent that I can't get this baby to sleep through the night? And then we believe all of my other friends' babies sleep through the night. Well, they don't. I mean, there are a lot of two and three and four-year-olds who aren't sleeping through the night, but who should be sleeping through the night and who can be sleeping through the night, but they're just not sleep trained. So sleep training takes a few things at the very outset. It takes intentionality. You, mom or dad, have to be at the point where you say, I can't take it anymore. This baby has to sleep through the night. He's four or five or six months of age. I'm exhausted. I've got other kids. I've got work to go to during the day and I can't function. So I'm at my wits end. I need to get this baby to sleep through the night. Or maybe your spouse wants the baby to sleep through the night because he or she is exhausted and wakes up whenever the baby makes a noise. So if you're at that point and if you're ready to say, I'm going to tackle this, then you need to figure out how you're going to tackle it. Okay. When are you going to start sleep training? I strongly encourage you to start sleep training during the day 
first. Don't start at night because you'll cave. You'll get three days into it. The baby will wake up again and you'll say, oh, just forget it. Bring the baby in my bed. I'll feed him, get him back to sleep. And you're back to square one. You don't want to do that. When you decide to sleep train, you've got to set aside a whole week, seven days where you will get this done. So if you're going to start and you're ready to start, don't just randomly start anytime. You start during the day at nap time. And here's why. Because you're more well-rested and you can tolerate difficulty much better than you normally can. So here's what you do during the day at nap time. Remember, we talked about how important it is to manage the feeding to get the baby tired enough to go to sleep. So let's say you're ready to start sleep training and because you're at your wits end and you're ready to go. First of all, your baby needs to be at least three to four months of age, has to have no other medical health issues, has to be growing well, and has to be at least 12 pounds. And most babies are 12 pounds around three months. I don't encourage anybody to start sleep training until the baby's older than two months at least. Usually three to four months is a good time to start. So if you have an eight-month-old who's not sleeping through the night, he's long overdue. If you have a six-month-old who's not sleeping through the night, he's long overdue. If you have an 18-month-old who's not sleeping through the night, you've got your hands full and your work cut out of you, but you've got to get that 18-month-old sleeping through the night because if you don't, you're going to have a five-year-old on your hands who won't sleep through the night. So make sure your baby's at least three to four months of age, at least 12 pounds, has no other um, medical issues, and you're going to start sleep training during the day first. So you're going to tackle nap time. Let's say your baby gets up at six or seven in the morning, you feed your baby, probably a pretty good meal because hopefully he or she has slept four or five hours. It's really hungry. It's going to eat a very satisfying meal and won't be hungry again for at least four to five hours. You say, well, no, 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 you don't understand. My six month old is hungry at 10 o'clock in the morning. They're not. They're crying and they don't need to eat, even though they're crying and you want to feed them. And here's why I know that our granddaughters were born, they're twins. One was a little over two pounds. One was a little over four pounds. And when they were in the neonatal intensive care unit, they got fed no sooner than every four hours. Now, if a two pound baby doesn't need to be fed any more frequently than four hours, your 12 pound, 15 pound baby certainly doesn't need to be fed earlier than every four hours and can usually go five to six. So during the morning, you wait until about noon or 11 o'clock. You feed your baby a good, nice meal. You wait about half an hour before you put the baby to bed. And this is why you want to make sure that your baby doesn't spit up on you because you don't want them to spit up and choke or anything like that. But if you wait a good half hour, you can feel confident that the milk has gone down into their stomach, particularly if your baby is a spitter. So around 11 o'clock or noon, you feed your baby. And during the next half hour, you know, you're not going to put them down for half hour. So you give them a pre-bedtime routine. You may read to him, you can rock him, you can sing. And then when half an hour is up, you take him into his room that has the same lighting that you do at nighttime, 
the same spot in the room where he sleeps. This is ideal. A lot of people can't do this, but in an ideal situation, this is what you would do. You would take the baby into the nursery where his crib is. You'd pull the shades so it feels like nighttime. You'd put the sound machine on so the same sound is in there. You'd put the crib in the same spot, shouldn't move. You'd have the same smells in the room. You'd have the same noise. Everything about the space would feel the same. So that when you go in, he has a cue. Okay, this is my safe space where I sleep. So even when you walk in the room, the lighting and the sound and the noise tells him, oh, okay, it's sleep time. Plus, he's very full, so he's getting sleepy anyway. And then when that half hour is up and you've done your 15-minute pre-bedtime routine, you put the baby in the bed and you leave the room. You can rub his back and you leave the room. And some of you, all of you are told, never put your baby to bed asleep. That's a nice idea. But as a mom and a grandma, I know it isn't always possible. And sometimes we're just so desperate. We want that baby to go to sleep. And we put him in the crib asleep. If your baby's asleep in the crib, that's okay. If he's asleep when you put him down. And then you leave the room at nap time. Parents, I really hope you're enjoying our discussion today about sleep. I need to take a quick break, but stay with me. We'll talk more about how to train your baby to sleep. Now, let's say your baby cries in 15 minutes. You go back in the room and you rub his back. You don't turn on a light. You don't change the background noise and you don't talk to him. You rub his back. Now, if he cries hard and stands up in that crib and starts shaking the rails and saying, get me out of here, you have to walk out of the room. And because clearly what you've done by walking in there and not getting him out of the crib is not soothing him. It's making him matter. So you walk out of the room. If he's still crying after 15 minutes, you can go back in. Same routine. You don't say anything. You don't turn a light on and you don't cave. You don't say, okay, get up and we'll eat. He's not hungry, right? He's not hungry. He just ate 45 minutes ago. So you know he's not hungry and you know he's not ill and you know he's not frightened. So what is he? He's saying to you, get in here, mom or dad. I want to play. I don't want to be here. Basically, he's having a temper tantrum. Now, if your two-year-old were having a temper tantrum because you wouldn't give him a lollipop, would you say, oh, I'm so sorry, here's your lollipop? No, you would say, sorry, you're not getting your lollipop. So when your baby at six months of age 45 minutes after he's gone down for a nap is screaming at you to come in and play. You say, no, I'm not going to play. It's sleep time. And you may do this every 15 minutes for an hour and a half. And you go, that wasn't worth anything. My baby didn't sleep. It was worth a lot because here's what you taught your baby. When I put you in your bed, you were there for at least an hour, hour and a half. Now you don't have to sleep, but you will stay in there. You may need to do this two or three or four days. I guarantee you by the fourth day, he'll get it. He'll get it. Oh, she's putting me in here and she's not coming back. She's not taking me out of the crib. I get it. I might as well sleep. So that's why you start during the nap time so that you can keep your wits about you when you're going in there every 15 minutes and you have the wherewithal and the stamina to not pick him up out of the bed. So let's get that rhythm down. By the way, an eight-month-old baby should be taking two naps a day 
for at least an hour or two each time. You say, well, my baby doesn't need that much sleep and they're six month old. They do need that much sleep, but they just don't want to sleep that much. If they're not sleeping two good naps a day, it's okay to let them have one long nap a day. But we know that all babies that age need at least 12 to 14 hours of sleep in a 24 hour period. And particularly if they're up at night, they need even a longer nap during the day. So you get that nap rhythm down. Now, if your baby goes to daycare or if your baby goes to preschool and they can't be napping in their bed, that's okay. You talk to your preschool teacher, the daycare person and say, at home, my baby usually goes to bed around 11 in the morning. Do you put the kids down here at 11 in the morning? And if she says, yes, we do, or no, we don't, I put them down at 10, then rework your nap time schedule at home to follow the daycare nap time schedule. So it's really important that every day your baby's sleep rhythm is the same. Now let's tackle the nighttime. We're done with naps and you've been successful at naps, or at least your baby's getting used to the idea that when I'm in this place, I have to sleep. So during the day, you don't feed your baby any more frequently than four to five hours. You say, well, that's cruel. That's mean. It really isn't because I guarantee you, your baby will eat whatever he needs to eat in order to grow if he's an otherwise healthy baby. And at six or eight months, they're also eating food. So you can give them some food in there. And I strongly encourage you at the nighttime feed, you give them something that's pretty that's going to stick to his stomach. Give him something like oatmeal or give him some bread and give him some protein and give him, you know, a really full meal. Don't just give him fruit and, you know, a couple veggies. You really want to give him as good of a meal at nighttime as you can because it really will help him sleep through the night. So let's say you've gotten through the day and you're putting your baby down at about 8 or 8.30 at night and you do the same thing. You do your pre-bedtime 15-minute routine and you've got the lighting the same and the bed the same and the smells the same and you've read and you put your baby into bed and he looks up at you and he screams. What is he saying? Get back here. I don't want to be here. Rather, if you jump to him and go, okay, you really don't need to be here and take him out, what you're telling him is, it's not okay for you to be in your crib alone. Every time you go in and pick up a crying child who you know is very tired and needs to sleep, and you know isn't hungry, and you pick that baby up, you are giving him a very clear signal. It's not okay for you to be alone. You need me. And the longer you give that signal, the longer it will take him to feel safe in his crib. You want to give just the opposite signal. And that is, it's okay for you to be in your crib alone. I'm right here. I can hear you always. You are safe. This is your safe place. So if he jumps up and he cries, you go in and you rub him and you say, it's time to go to sleep. And then you walk out. Again, if he cries 10 or 15 minutes later, you go back in and you rub his back. You don't say anything. You don't talk to him. You don't cuddle him. You wait another 15 minutes, wait a little bit longer, another 20 minutes, and you go back in. If you've done this three or four times and a good hour and a half has gone by, it is okay if he's really hysterical to pick him up right at the bedside, give him a squeeze, give him a pat on the back, and 
soothe him and say, it's okay. And put him right back in the bed. Don't walk him out of the room. Don't walk him around. Put him right back into the bed because you want to let him know he's safe. The room is okay. And you're always there. And you finally get him to sleep. And let's say he falls asleep at about nine o'clock at night. And then he wakes up at one in the morning. Well, that's four hours and you've just been sleep training. So it's okay to get up and feed him in his room, put him right back to bed. He wakes up another four hours. Try to push him off to five hours if you can. If he wakes up at one and you've fed him, try to make him wait till six in the morning to eat. So with that second feed, you push it longer than you did the first feed. Or if it's harder for you to get up at one in the morning and you want to push it till three in the morning, push that first feed forward and then let him go a shorter period from the middle of the night feed to the morning feed, whatever is best for you, because he can adapt to that. Some people go to bed at midnight, so getting up at one in the morning is terrible. So you get him up, you feed him at one in the morning, he wakes up at four or five, you do not feed him, you go back in and you rub his back and you make him wait until it's six o'clock in the morning to eat. He's six or eight months old, he can definitely wait five hours to eat because there are kids who are three months old who are sleeping 10 hours at night. Certainly your six or eight month old can. And then you go through your daytime routine. You feed him when he wakes up, you give him a good meal, you wait four or five hours, give him a good meal, he goes down for nap and so forth. So let's say you did that again. You go back in at eight or 8.30, always keep as best you can the nighttime sleep time the same. If you're going to put him down at seven, always make it seven. If it's eight, make it eight. If it's nine, make it nine. Don't make it any later than nine because that's going to be too hard for you. You put him down at eight or eight thirty. He goes to sleep and an hour later he's crying and you want to go in there because you feel something's wrong. Learn your baby's cry. Learn his scared cry. Learn his I'm hurting cry. We're talking about a cry here that happens every single night you put him down, where you know he's not afraid, you know he's just in the habit of not falling asleep. So an hour after he goes to sleep, he wakes up and he's screaming again. You wait 15 minutes. If he's still screaming, you go back in there. You rub his back and you leave and you make your visit times very, very short and you never talk. I promise you, if you do the same thing, three or four nights in a row and you don't get him out of his crib after the first two or three bouts of crying, he will learn that it isn't even worth it to cry because he's not going to get taken out of his crib anyway. So after you've trained him to do that, and this really won't take that much time if you're willing to stick it out. And he is going to cry and it is going to be uncomfortable for you. But every time he cries, you think lollipop. You think this child is having a temper tantrum because he wants to get out of bed. He wants to play and he wants me to do what he wants me to do. If he were two and having a temper tantrum, he'd want a lollipop. Would I give it to him? No. So you're not going to feed him that after that first hour and you're not going to play with him. So he goes to sleep and he wakes up at one, but you don't want to get up at one. You make him wait till it's two o'clock. You get up, you feed him at two, and then you make him wait another four hours. And now you've got at least a good rhythm where he goes to bed. He waits till two in the morning. He waits till six in the morning. And then you 
work with that for a few weeks. What you've done is you've taught him when he goes in his bed, he's not going to cry for four or five hours. You have to remember too, kids don't quote unquote sleep through the night until they're closer to two. They wake up, they go to sleep. They wake up, they go to sleep. So there are a lot of times he's awake and he's not letting you know it. But the times that he's crying, he's saying, get in here, I want to do something. So what you're really training him to do is when he wakes up, not to wake you up. So the times that he wakes up and cries, he's really having a temper tantrum saying, get in here, get in here. Now, after you've got him down to feeding at say two in the morning, at six in the morning, you need to drop that 2 a.m. feed. Well, how do you do that? You put him down at eight or 8.30 and you do your same routine until he goes to sleep, even if it takes him an hour, but by now it shouldn't because you're five or six days into this. And when he wakes up at two in the morning, you don't feed him. You go in there and you rub his back and you leave. Now you'll want to feed him because all you want to do is have this child eat and go back to sleep so you can get some sleep. But remember, if you do the hard work up front and have him drop that 2 a.m. feed, the payoff is enormous because I guarantee you when you start to drop that 2 a.m. feed and force him to wait until six to eat, and it won't take that long, a couple more days, a week from now, a week from the time you're starting to force him to drop that 2 a.m. feed, you're going to feel like a whole new person. Because believe it or not, it's not that that hard for kids to stop eating in the night. When kids eat at two in the morning, a six or eight month old baby or a year old baby, there's one reason they eat in the middle of the night. And that is they're trained to. If somebody came in at two in the morning to you for a week and gave you your favorite food, let's say it's cheesecake, they woke you up at two in the morning and gave you cheesecake every night at two in the morning, and then they stopped, what would happen the first night they stopped? Your stomach would grumble. You would wake up and go, where's my cheesecake? That's exactly what's happening with your baby. At two in the morning, he's so used to eating that his stomach grumbles and he cries and he says, get in here. Well, the only way you're going to break his stomach from grumbling is to not feed him. And that's not going to take that long to do. So the reason he's waking up at two is not because he needs to eat, but his stomach is trained to eat. Just like your stomach would be trained to eat if somebody gave you your favorite food at two in the morning. So I guarantee you, once you stop the food, then the crying is going to stop because the reason he wants to get up is because his stomach is telling him to get up. And then even after he stops eating in the night, he still may wake up a little bit at two in the morning, but he's not going to scream. He'll go back to bed because he'll realize, huh, I've been in this crib for a number of hours here and I'm not going to eat now because my stomach isn't grumbling. I can go back to sleep. And that's how you drop that middle of the night feed. So now you've got your baby sleeping from eight or eight thirty till six in the morning. I promise, promise, promise. If you work on the daytime naps first and you train your baby to stay in his bed for at least an hour and a half, he doesn't need to sleep, and then eventually he learns to sleep, then it's so much easier when you start your sleep training at night. You'll get him to go longer periods of sleeping and not eating at night 
until finally you can drop that middle of the night feed. You know, it's interesting because sleep training is a lot easier on kids than it is on parents. And I know that's hard for parents to believe, but it really is. Kids are so much more adaptable than we think they are, but they really are. They're willing to adapt to just about anything. The difficulty is we're convinced they need us in the night and they don't need us in the night. We're convinced that if we're not there at their beck and call, that we're gonna psychologically damage them. We won't. We will hurt them if we continue to teach them that all through the night, they're not safe in their room. They have to be with us. And that creates this very unhealthy dependency that they have on us. Of course, they're dependent on us. And we're accepting that and we're meeting all of their needs and we're meeting their nutritional needs, their emotional needs, psychological needs, and so forth. But when we teach them that they need us at all hours of the night, that can be a really unhealthy thing that we train our kids to feel. We need them to know that they're very healthy in their rooms by themselves. I do want to say one final thing, and that is very often as you're sleep training, you will go to bed anticipating that your baby will wake up at two in the morning and they won't. They'll wake up at six o'clock in the morning. And the first time the baby shows you that they can go from eight o'clock to six o'clock or eight o'clock to five o'clock in the morning without eating, you can expect that to happen from that day forward. So if a baby is doing that, you need to push them to continue to do that. The only exceptions are if your baby's sick. Now, if your baby gets sick and is awake up in the night for three or four days, you're going to have to almost sleep train them all over again because they're going to be used to being up in the night. But again, they will sleep train all over again if you're willing to take a big breath and go for it. There's so much more I would like to talk to you about when it comes to sleep training your baby. And I'm so grateful that you listen to the podcast. If this resonates with you and if you want to try something new when it comes to sleep training your baby and you say, I've tried everything and nothing works, you need to try this technique. It really does work. It's different than other programs that you've learned about out there. And I strongly encourage you to take my course, How to Get Your Baby to Sleep Through the Night in Less Than Seven Days. It will change your life. And I know because I've seen it happen so many times over and over that kids will sleep through the night. It's just a matter of you getting to the point where you're ready to do it understanding that it's not only best for you, but it's best for your baby as well. Now, let me give you three points to ponder or takeaways that you need to think about. One, babies cry from temper tantrums as often as they cry out of need. So if your baby's crying in the middle of the night for you to come on in and play or feed him and you don't, He's having a temper tantrum. He's not crying because he needs something. Second, get geared up. Sleep training isn't something that you just start on a whim. You have to be intentional. You have to set a start date and you have to be committed to sticking it out for seven days. And three, 
sleep training is just as important for your baby as it is for you. Babies who wake up frequently in the middle of the night crying and wanting to eat just aren't getting enough sleep and they need to get longer stretches of sleep in order to grow well. So until next time, parents, always remember that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Mike, producer of Dr. Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. At the end of our podcast, do you wonder, okay, how do I apply this to my life, to my kids? Dr. Meg keeps these discussions going in our brand new Parenting Great Kids community. She gives you answers to issues and clear steps to take to resolve them. Imagine having the ability to ask Dr. Meeker a question about your issues with your kids. Well, now you can. We've created a new Parenting Great Kids community where Dr. Meg answers readers' questions, posts videos on topics, adds a new parenting course monthly, and goes live with you once a month. Don't wrestle with your problems alone. Let Dr. Meg help you. Join us in the new PGK community. For more information, go to meekerparenting.com and look for the PGK community tabs.